Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cabot Cove Gazette, your favorite Murder, She Wrote podcast in hours two. I am your co-host, TJ. I'm Bridget. And we are so happy to be with you this week to talk about Dead Heat, the new episode, or the latest episode from Murder, She Wrote. However, before we do that, I do need to set the record straight about something Bridget said in our last episode, where she took me to task for using the term grace note, as she put it, incorrectly. But having looked it up, it is in fact a small gesture of or embellishment, so therefore I was correct in my usage of the term, which I will use later in the episode, I am sure, at some point. So I just need to get... Th- he he was literally ignoring me. We were talking and he was totally ignoring me and looking down at his phone. And then all of a sudden he like interrupts me and to be like, the actual definition is, and he starts quoting the dictionary and I realized like what he was doing when he was ignoring me was actually looking it up so he could tell me that I was wrong. For one thing, I wasn't ignoring her listeners. I was still paying attention to whatever she was saying. But I also needed to let her know that she was the one who was, in fact, incorrect. Well, if we're doing corrections, I can I say two other things? Because in Seth Hazlitt's first episode, um, Joshua Peabody died here. He and Jessica were making dinner, and they were using basil. And you and I kind of made fun of them for calling it that. And we said that that was, like, totally Lansbury's British influence showing off. But actually, I've been thinking about it, and Martha Stewart says basil. And so I'm thinking maybe posh New Englanders do say that, and uh, you and I are just not posh New Englanders. And so that's why it felt uh, disingenuous to us that they weren't saying basil. It's still weird. (laughs) And in case any of you want to do a deep dive back, we also uh, called a metatarsal a toe, which it's not. It's a bone in the foot. So I apologize for that, too. Well, anyway, since you're on a roll, would you like to give us a summary of this episode? I've given you lots of grace notes of apologies now. <laughs> now, that's, that is a questionable what you say. There's not a lot of grace anywhere in any of that. But anyway, would you like to give us a summary of this episode? Oh, yeah. Okay. I hate this episode. So this is hard for me because I didn't plan a summary and I had a really good planned summary of the last one. Okay. So essentially, uh, this is a horse racing episode. Jessica's niece, we'll talk more about that in a second, is uh, not a disc jockey. Just a jockey. Just a regular jockey. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she rides a horse, and it turns out to be a fake horse, a ringer, and someone gets murdered over this fake horse, and Jessica uncovers the murder. I mean, it's much more complicated than that, but that'll suffice to get us started. Okay, so... I have to say, first of all, before we even do any of this, I'm just going to fast forward to the very end because there's something very important that I need to talk about. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not so, going to be able to get through this episode because you're going to have me laughing the whole time. So at the very end, this very kooky older lady who's sort of like, you know, a routine better at the at the, at the the uh, racetrack <clears throat> and is very superstitious, asks Jessica what her Zodiac sign is. And I, you know, having, I may have seen this episode, but I don't remember this part. And then I'm thinking, what is she, a Virgo? Maybe she's a Capricorn? No, listeners, J.B. Fletcher is canonically a Pisces. Now, if you know anything about me, I, too, am a Pisces. So I feel emotionally validated by knowing that J.B. Fletcher, the one and only Jessica Fletcher, is a Pisces. Which now makes complete sense. Her empathy, her sense of, like, no, her sense of intuition, her just general kindness, all of this speaks highly 
of her Pisces nature. Now I now I've realized why I've always had this deep spiritual connection with her. It's not just Angela Lansbury. It's not just she's an old lady. She's not just she's a writer and a school teacher. She's a Pisces. I knew that Jessica Fletcher was my spiritual soulmate, so my television soulmate. So now I feel completely validated in this attitude. So thank you for joining us for the Cabot Cove Gazette. I think that sums it all up. I think that's all we need to talk about this week. That was the most important thing from this episode. So we want to thank you. I, I'm kidding, of course, but I've now had my spiel. Do you know what is really funny, Tej, is when I was taking my notes on this episode, I wrote, we learned JB is a Pisces and TJ is going to flip out. <laughs> I literally, I, I knew I, this was coming. I knew I this did was coming. I, my my partner was listening to it with me at the moment, or watching it with me at the moment. And I was like, "Oh my god, I cannot believe this! I cannot believe that I have gone all these years being an astrology gay, and I never knew that JB Fletcher was a Pisces." Well, and they make all these like weird connections. Like, there's um, I forget what the other connection is, but then she's a Pisces, and then her niece her is niece is her niece on the McGill side, so it's Gill. You know, so there's all these like fish signs that the the superstitious woman is like, oh my god, we have to make a bet. This is all a sign. So anyway, I didn't mean to like derail the conversation quite that thoroughly, but it was really important to me that Jessica Fletcher was a Pisces, whereas Angela is herself a Libra. Just so you know, when's Lansbury's birthday? I should know that, but I don't. I don't even know when Libras are. It is October the 16th, 1925. End of mid-September to (laughs) mid-October. That's why this is so funny to me, because, like, this kind of stuff means nothing to me, and I knew you were... Even though you are a textbook Leo. I I am a textbook Leo. I do know that. But I knew you were going to freak out, because I know that this stuff is so meaningful to you. It's not really. I just find it very interesting. But But anyway, anyway, since we've mentioned the McGill thing, let's talk about that for a second because this episode gives us another glimpse into Jessica's family tree, which, by the way, you and I should be constructing as we go episode by episode. So Tracy is a McGill, which means she must be on Jessica's side, not Frank's, Mm. right? She's not a Fletcher. And then because she's a McGill, we know that she must be the daughter of a brother of Jessica. Otherwise, she'd presumably have a different last name. And in fact, later in the episode, we learned that um, his name is Martin. So in My Johnny Lies Over the Ocean, we met her other brother, uh, Marshall. So now we know Jessica has two brothers, Marshall and Martin. There may be others, but at least we're getting somewhere with this family tree now. Mm-hmm. That's all. So what do, what do we... It's important. Okay, so I didn't know if there was like any... It is important. It is important to know. And it's also like, like my God, how big is Jessica's family? Well, that's why it's important, right? Because people are always joking, like, oh, she's always flying off to see nieces and nephews. And it's like, well, how, let's find out how they all fit together, right? Now we've got a couple of right. pieces. And I mean, I, I guess all of this feels just very strange to me because my family is so small. So it's like, it seems very odd. But it's not It's not actually that unusual for that someone of that generation to have a significantly larger family. I, In my head canon, I've decided that Martin and Marshall are twins, um, which would mirror, of course, Lansbury's own brothers, who are twins. Right. Both of whom will come to work on the show before its end. Well, that's fascinating. <clears throat> I know. I'm full of trivia. Yes. So I had to say that I was a little underwhelmed with the, the guest cast list this week. What? I, 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 I'm, I'm saying that partially just to get you like, Every outraged. time you say that, it's when there's like a stellar guest cast. Is it though? Yeah. First of all, we have Clue Gallagher, who we just saw in Funeral at 50 Mile, who's in, as I mentioned back then, my favorite episode of MacGyver. Hmm. We have Priscilla Barnes from Three's Company as Vicky, uh, who's ultimately our murderer. Right. And we have Norman Fell, who's also from Three's Company. He was Mr. Roper. 
as I'm not really sure what his character is. His name is Shackman, but I didn't really pay enough attention to get what Vince he does. Shackman. Weird, weirdly, they did not overlap on Three's Company, though. Um, they they weren't on the show at the same time. But I love that we have this like Three's Company reunion happening. Yeah. How is that not cool? I guess that's cool. Yeah. Then we also have the guy who's playing um, Lieutenant Misko. Um, his name is Roy Thins. He's in like multiple episodes of Murder, She Wrote. And so is Lonnie Chapman, who plays another guy whose name and function I didn't really pick up on because, honestly, I don't pay that much attention. But so we have a couple of people who are like seasoned, you know, Murder, She Wrote people making their first appearance as well. I mean, all I'm saying is that next. I know next week is a huge week for me because Aaron, kept, my partner, kept watching it after I left cause to do other stuff. But I walked in and I was like, oh, my God, that's Yvonne DiCarlo. So, I mean... I know that Yvonne DiCarlo was coming up, so nothing, literally nothing could match that for me. So I'm just going to, like, I'm going to gush all over this podcast next week where I'm talking about. Next week is Jessica Behind Bars, which is also one of my favorite Murder, She Wrote Yeah, let's episodes. just skip this one. Let's just, okay, we've done enough with this one. Let's just skip on to. I mean, I would love to because I, I hate this one. I struggle so much with it because, like, it's horse racing and horse racing is really bad. They do horrible, horrible things to the horses. Drug yes. them torture them then they're completely they they run them until their bodies break and then they're yeah, disposed it's, of it's awful it is a pretty horrifying use of horse is i mean who are fragile to start with like not, not not to go too far afield but like horses are remarkably fragile creatures if none of you have ever encountered horses like their legs are like toothpicks so it really doesn't take much to break them and when they break they're often just euthanized yeah because there's not much you can do, actually, once their legs are broken. Um, and we're supposed to be rooting for Tracy that she's getting into this profession. And I suppose, in a way, it is exciting because she's a female jockey. Mm. Uh, and she's actually, like, the only female we see working anywhere around the park as, um, right. you know, in any capacity. Everyone else is a man. So, you know, in that sense, I guess it's exciting. And it's really cute to see Jessica rooting for her. Like, I'm still unclear where we are. Jessica said she was on her way to San Francisco. Right, and there's allusions to Las Vegas because what's his name is like connected to the like sort of basically the, the Vegas mob. Like the Sha- mafia. Sha- Shackman is connected to the Vegas mob, so I'm guessing it's probably somewhere in northern, like somewhere in California. Like that was the that maybe, was was yeah. It, they they keep it deliberately um, nondescript. I mean, plus there's a lot of racing out in California because there was actually a whole big news story with a bunch of horse deaths out in this racetrack in California like a couple years ago. This whole mm. big thing. But the but the cab driver was wearing a Cubs cap, a Chicago Cubs baseball cap. Well, uh, well, I mean, I guess there are fans that don't just live in Chicago. I mean, right? as a Chicagoan formerly, uh, and I still identify as a Chicagoan, I would like to say that Cubs probably have fans all over the world. But I mean, it's clearly not in Chicago. <laughs> no, it's not in Chicago, and it's called Hibiscus Park too, which evokes like some tropical place. Right. So I'm guessing California. That was my speculation. Well, anyway, that's all beside the point. The point is Jessica has popped in to see Tracy um, because she wants to support her. And then what I think, as much as I hate horse racing, I think what is really cute is watching the scene where Tracy unexpectedly gets to ride the prize horse Anchors Away when his regular jockey falls sick. And so Jessica Anchors Ahoy. Who cares, honestly? <laughs> no, I actually, because it's very, it's in a very, I just need to say, it's a very annoying name, and I'm very frustrated they didn't just say Anchors Away. Anchors Ahoy? Like, it's very Is that distressing what it was? to me. Yes, because I, I kept being like, why not Anchors Away? The t- like, the pun on the classic musical is right there. Like, why is, why is it Anchors Ahoy all the time? Maybe that was a horse, and they couldn't use that name. That's true. 
Maybe, maybe some, maybe MGM. Has- anyway, my point is now I've been derailed like four times. There's a scene where Jessica's in the box. Tracy is racing. And we get to see Jessica cheering her on. And it's really super cute because we almost never get to see Jessica like that. She's like clapping and yelling and screaming and excited. Mm -hmm. And she's usually a very staid person. So it was just really adorable to see her so excited. Right. No, I agree with you. I I did appreciate that. Was it took me 10 minutes just to express that. Oh, yes. Because I know Bridget never interrupts me ever. (laughs) Ever. I usually just edit it so people can't tell how much I well, interrupt you. Well, I just delete this part too, so that you will never, so that our <laughs> listeners will be left in the dark as to Bridget's true nature. <laughs> what else do we talk about with this episode? So let's talk about the actual murder because I think that we have, okay. we've alluded to it. Which I mean, I found the plotting of this one. I was a little confused. Like, I mean, I, it worked out. Like the actual murder itself was fairly straightforward, but. Uh-huh. All the, the scheming about the horse and, like, the horse being, like, a dupe. Like, there was a horse brought in from South America to throw the... the I, first of all, I don't understand betting yeah. to begin with. Like, I'm so... Betting is, like... I was thinking me. about like, that, I but I think they, they did con- a pretty good job... Oh, I just interrupted you. <laughs> As I was saying. <laughs> I was thinking that they did a pretty good job of making it so you kind of don't have to know anything or care, right? It's just basically, like, it's supposed to be this one horse... The horses are tattooed so that you can't put right. in a fake horse. They got around the system by bringing in a horse from South America where they don't use tattoos. They switched right. the horses. Yes. Ta-da. And I, I agree with you that I thought that that worked out pretty well. It was just like window dressing on the, the central like, And it's in some ways incidental to the murder itself. I mean, it's not really, but it's like you don't even have to pay, understand any of that to understand the murder itself. Vicky's opportunity for the murder, I, I think, works in many of the same ways. Like, you don't really have to understand how racetrack betting goes. It's just she says she's going to go place a bet. She leaves to place the bet. And she says which horse she's placing it on. A second after she leaves, they say that horse is scratched from the race. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she couldn't have been placing a bet on that horse, which means she had the opportunity to commit the murder. So it's like in that sense, you know, if you if you just pay attention to like the most surface of the details, it's like, okay, I can follow this. But then teach now if we're talking, I'm like, wait, I did I miss like why did they even have to switch the horses in the first place? Like what was the point of that? Yes. And what was the whole mob thing with Shackman? Like, what did that have to do with anything? Did I ever did I just space? Um, maybe, but I also just, I mean, I, I was paying attention to the episode and I was just sort of like, what is all of this? Cause Jessica also visits a farm where she's like investigating like the, the, like this, the, the duplicate horse. And I'm just like, I also, did I miss, how does she even know to go there? I was just like, it all felt very extraneous to me. It felt like an episode <laughs> full of a lot of threads that yeah. were needlessly complicated to the central motivation of the murder itself. Yeah. The reason that Vicky ultimately undertakes the murder is to protect her undocumented immigrant husband or boyfriend. I'm not sure if they're actually married. They're married. Oh, her husband from continuing to be manipulated and controlled by unscrupulous people involved with the racetrack. So that was, I thought was a nice motive, like not nice motivation, but you know, it was a motivation that made sense. Yeah. So it was, I thought it was like covering for the fact that Carlos has been brought to the United States illegally to be the jockey. Right. Because they can sort of blackmail him into doing whatever because otherwise they'll expose that he's in the U.S. illegally. It's one of those moments where I thought that Mordishiro can be socially commentary without like sort of beating you over the head with it. But it did help, I think, mm-hmm. highlight the sort of precarious position that many undocumented people live in with the constant threat of 
and how and how vulnerable they are to exploitation financially but also like as you know we see in this plot blackmail wise for other nefarious purposes yeah and and it gets weird too because in order to protect him vicky actually poisons him so that he can't run the race so that i guess her thinking was so that if somebody gets caught it will be tracy who gets caught with the ringer horse is that the idea that is the gist of it, yeah. And then she p- puts the poison in Tracy's locker. So now it looks like Tracy poisoned her husband in order to get to run the race because Tracy would make part of the purse, the winnings, if the horse wins. So it all sets up Tracy very obviously. Right. Who, you know, it, it is the case that she gets, you know, nearly arrested to, you know, or incriminated as being part of this. She gets taken to jail at one point. Yeah. And then in true Murder, She Wrote fashion, they let Jessica talk to her privately in jail. Right. Which doesn't make any sense. Some questionable police practices. They also think at one point that Jessica might have committed the murder because she immediately picks up on too many details about the crime scene. Right. She was the first one to see the body. She was the first one to see the body. And then in their logic, it would make sense that she killed this guy because this guy was standing in the way of Tracy's career. Yep. But I don't. Teach, maybe I just didn't pay enough attention. I'm very unclear about who the guy who was murdered was. Uh, yeah, he was just like someone involved with the with the scheme. Like he was one of the. I don't know what this. I don't know enough about horse racing to be able to speak eloquently <laughs> about the positions that people occupy. This is going to be like the football episode where we're like, let's just talk about what Jessica wore because we don't understand football. I mean, that <laughs> there is something to that. Like, because I do think that this episode, I think, relies on a certain level of viewer ignorance of this very like niche world like i know that, i know a lot of people bet and stuff but like if you're not plugged into that world none of this really makes any kind of, the only thing you're sort of wondering is who murdered who did the yeah. murder like that's really the if you're an average murder middle of america joe popcorn to use bridget's phrase you know viewer you're just gonna be like i only want to know who did the murder <laughs> like you know that's sort of the only thing that matters the episode opens with like this whole like vegas bookie gambling scene with norman fell's character but it that has nothing to do with anything in the end it's it's just very unclear and then like like the guy who was murdered i don't really understand who he was and then there's the other guy who is guarding the horse and jessica goes to the farm and finds it and he unleashes the horse on jessica to trample her to death basically because she's found out too many details and i'm unclear on who he was right yeah, and he was beat up at some point. I'm just like, I, I literally have... I don't understand what's going on. The moral of the story is neither of them did it, so it didn't really matter. I mean, this might be straining a bit, but I did have a feeling like, you know how in some... I, the similar feeling I had in some like film noir and other kind of thriller movies where there are many moving plot points, but they ultimately don't matter because like the only thing that matters is who did it. Yeah. So like, if you can figure that out, at least you have that much going for you as a viewer. But so much of the other stuff just doesn't feel like it actually means much. Yeah. It's just plot for plot's sake, if that makes sense. There was a lot of, it felt like plot filler, truthfully. Yeah. Not too many grace notes, unfortunately, in this episode. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I sensed, I mean, I didn't have quite the moral outrage that you did about this episode. I mean, I do agree with you that horse racing is not exactly the most ethical of sports by any stretch it's the only thing that's more horrifying is dog racing which i find even more horrifying but it is also truly truly horrifying and i have friends who do greyhound rescue and the stories that they have are just horrifying fortunately it seems like both are kind of 
fading in popularity, greyhound racing especially, mm-hmm. starting to become illegal in many places too. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, obviously, horse racing has the sort of prestige of the Belmont Stakes and the you know the Kentucky right. Derby and the, and the Triple Crown and all that. Her stuff. Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Right. So, you know, there is still a certain level of aristocratic prestige attached to horse racing. That's... No, but they they inject them with drugs to oh, make yeah. them run faster and to make their heart stronger. I mean, really horrible stuff. And then they have allergic reactions to the drugs or sometimes the drugs are like cut market and mixed with other things that end up killing them. I mean, it's just really gruesome. Yeah, and I mean, obviously they have their lips tattooed. If the, if this if Marjorie can be believed. Oh, can we talk about that? So Jessica's like, I'm just going to go to the stable yes, real okay. quick and check this horse's lip tattoo, and walks up to a horse with no experience with horses, and is like trying to like pull on his bridle and pull up its lip. I'm like, lady, this horse is going to kill you, like, or at least bite your arm. Because I mean, I think, right? I mean, like any. What was she know, thinking? I mean, I grew up on a farm and I've had some limited. Um, experience with horses and i can assure you that you definitely do not go up to a complete strange horse and try to like pull its lip up no way remember (laughs) when you're you know because i have probably less experience with horses than you but they were around when i was a kid and we always fed them and the the first thing you always learn is like palm out flat so they don't accidentally bite you right like you would never tug at their lip she's nuts and also she eats a carrot that's intended for the horse but i was just like Okay, it was supposed to be a cute bit. I know, but I was just, I'm not usually someone who's particularly like fussy about food preparation or mm. like washing fruit and shit, but I'm like I've seen carrots that are intended for horse consumption. They are not very clean. So like <laughs> Yeah. I was They're probably like, not like um scraped. Yeah. I was what do we call like, it? Peeled, you know, and washed. I was just like, uh you're not Bugs Bunny. Like I, I'm I'm just I'm I'm questioning Jessica's vegetable i mean i think carrots are gross to start with but that's neither here nor there okay so it's supposed to be you think carrots are gross to start with they're disgusting all right that's just weird listen it's supposed to be a cute bit so the idea is she's contemplating what happened and they've just given the horse a carrot and so the stable hand offers her one and she takes it and chomps on it like deep in thought and then, you know, as she pulls it away from her mouth and she's chewing and thinking, and then when she puts the carrot back up in frame, it's, like, mostly gone. And so it's a cute bit where we realize, like, the mm-hmm. horse stole a bite out of her carrot, you know? A little grace note, if you will. <laughs> God. I should have waited. Listeners, don't be surprised next week if it's just the Cabot Cove Gazette, singly hosted by Brick Wow, Keith. she's going to kick me out of my own co-host gig. <laughs> The listeners tune in to hear my my use of Grace Note. Thank you very much. I thought her outfits in this were not great. Yeah, we haven't really talked about. We talk about fashion. fashion. Yeah, we haven't really. There's not been a lot of like fashion notes I've had for the last couple weeks. I mean, last episode was fine. Nothing like especially standoutable because she was like chilling at a resort, but not a resort. That makes it sound nice. It was like a cabin in the on a lake but this time she's wearing these weird neckties that are like like one of them is red with black mini dots but it's not tied in a windsor knot or Mm. a pussy bow it's just like hanging flat and it looks very strange and ugly and then in a later episode she has that same necktie sort of drape but it's a white necktie with a white blouse and it works a little bit better but i was just really curious like who who made the choices for the outfits for this episode Mm. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even remark. I mean, they didn't even, like, register on my consciousness, so they clearly weren't all that great. 
There is an episode at the end in the final scene. I'm pretty sure it's a repeated dress. Uh, it's a cowl neck dress that we've seen before. But the tie thing, that was just like totally bizarre to me. I mean, it was really super ugly. Right. I don't so, know where to go with that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I didn't think it was a terrible episode. I mean, morally speaking, yes, but only because of the horse racing. Um, I thought the murder plot worked out re- relatively well. Uh, I, as I, I think that we've said already, like, too many plot points that don't add up to much. So, you know, not not a great offering from Murder Show, but not terrible. Are you trying either, to, are you like, it sounds ra- like you're doing a wrap-up. Are you trying to wrap this up? I mean, we're at 26 minutes, so. Okay. Do we have anything else to talk about? Like, Hey, can we talk about Priscilla Barnes' character for a second, though? Um, Mrs. Carlos, Vicky. Well, first of all, I think it's interesting that we have like the American woman and the uh, oh yeah we we don't we Panama. I think it, we're told he's Panamanian at one point. Yes, 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 yes. He's from Panama. So we have this like sort of interracial, international relationship between the two of them, which is kind of interesting. And then mm-hmm. also because he's a jockey, he's like tiny, right? And so she's actually bigger than him, which yeah. is also kind of interesting because aesthetically, we don't usually see that in male female relationships, but. Also, I just really love what Priscilla Barnes does with this character. She's this sort of flamboyant, over-the-top, uh, loud, fun, you know, woman mm-hmm. who you wouldn't expect to be a murderer because she's just goofy and flamboyant. Right. And she's also, like, all-American looking. Like, she's just, like, the epitome of American beauty in some ways. Like, obviously, you know. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Yep. Fluffy hair. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's quite ruthless what she's doing. Like, she's framing someone who's innocent to save her husband. Like, you know, that's kind of shitty behavior, really, when it comes down to it. It is really shitty behavior, actually. Yeah. Now that you she say claims it. to like, she's, you know, she has no actual enmity toward uh, toward the niece. Like, she's just like... In yeah, fact, doesn't she say at one point, like, everybody likes Tracy? Yeah, she's like, I like Tracy just fine. But, you know, she clearly felt her moral duty to her husband outweighed any other ethical considerations. I don't know, there's something kind of admirable about that, isn't there? No! Not, like, not in a sense that, like, that justifies murder, of course, but just, that, like, I don't know. It feels like Murder, She Wrote, you know, we, for season one, you and I said week after week, the same, it was the same story, right? With different right. details. Horrible, rich, white guy somebody killed him because he was so horrible and now it feels like they're doing something different you know and like the the who is being murdered has changed Mm -hmm. a lot over season two and then why people are doing the murder has changed a lot over season two so she didn't kill someone because they were horrible and ruthless and selfish with their money she's killing someone because she deeply loves her husband and wants to protect him and in fact she caves really easily when jessica confronts her i mean i I guess i'm not perplexed about the murder i'm perplexed about framing somebody else like for it like that's the problem yeah sure but also one other one last thing we could talk about maybe would be the lieutenant who you know is an interesting character because he was a better like he was someone who lost a lot of money on betting on races and it's not one of he's not one of the more antagonistic investigators when it comes to Jessica. he is at first but they sort of build up a rapport as time goes by but he makes the illusion the fact that he lost his wife and his house and his car to gambling like which is i know another somber sort of moment in an otherwise you know as we've said unexceptional episode is he the one who you can tell I spaced a lot during this episode, even though I've seen it so many times, but was he the one who kept the notebook of all of the bets he would have made? And he was like, yes. I would have been $350,000 in the hole if I'd actually placed any of these bets. Yep. So 
It seems like there's a theme about just the sort of dangerousness of gambling. Like, even if you win, there's a whole seedy underside to the gambling world, you know, with like murders and fake horses. And and most people don't win, you know, so we see them losing money and losing things. Like, there's also the security guard at the racetrack who had his advance bet and he lost money, you know, so everybody just mm-hmm. sees. Yeah, there's some commentary here going on. Don't gamble. Yeah, it's bad. definitely. Don't gamble. <laughs> It is bad. Have you ever bet on horses? Nope. Oh, please. I don't have that much money. Oh, well, it doesn't take that much money. You can make a bet for like $1. I know, but I'm, I'm not of that. Well, first of all, because I know my personality and I would keep betting until I won. So I, I already know that it would be a, a dangerous road to wander down. So so my uncle, who is now deceased, um, was madly in love with the Kentucky Derby and all of them, but especially the Derby. And um, so we had to, you know, celebrate the Derby and wear the hats and do all of that. And he once, when he was getting older, asked me to go place the bet for him. And I, you know, okay, it's exactly what he told me to place, you know, I place here, quinella, whatever, quadruplet. I don't know what it's placing, showing, you know, all those different gambling buzzwords. So I go to the window, I repeat verbatim what he tells me. And I'm thinking it's going to be like five bucks or something. It was like, a $65 bet for what for like 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 they tell us in the episode it's like less than a two minute race mm-hmm. I was like oh my god you can lose so much money so fast yep so that's my story yep which is why I don't gamble because I know I would lose a lot of money <laughs> okay that's a good note to end on kids don't gamble you heard it from us and from Jessica Fletcher. Yeah, this is your PSA from Cabaco Gazette. <laughs> the PC, the PSA from the CCG. That's what we're... <laughs> so next week, Women in Lockup. Yeah. Orange is the New Black, the 1980s version. Yep, and Yvonne Carlo, the only thing that really matters. Okay. That's what you Be prepared. I'm mentally preparing right now. All right, well, for the Cabaco Gazette, I'm your co-host, TJ West. I'm Bridget Keys. And we will see you next week. Our theme song is Reaching the Sky by Alexander Nakarada, used under Creative Common License. You can find us on social media. We are the Cabot Cove Gazette on Facebook and at Cove Gazette on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs>